What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 9th, 2020, and this week's episode, the MMA Monday Massacre. We'll be talking about all of the changes to recent cards, or sorry, two cards coming up. We'll be breaking down the fight between Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira from over the weekend. And we will obviously now be announcing the recently changed but still very fun main event between Rafael Dos Anjos and the Irish Dragon Paul Felder. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm here with my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello Double G, happy Monday and oh boy, massacre indeed, right? I mean, November came with a vengeance in the MMA world, right? Which, <laughs> yep. by the way, it's November. I, I'm still tripping. I know we touched on it, but now that you the calendar's moved, you know, it hit me. But, Natalie, we got to get started. We have so much. We have a lot of opinions. We're very opinionated. There's a lot of takes we got to give, and not just the first one. We're giving you the last take, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I but, am. yeah, if you're following us, we are on a Monday. We had some things happen, but... The fact is, we're here for a full-fledged show. On Saturday, old faithful, old reliable, the man who just won't stop, and a co-main event with a guy just, you know, with that same spirit. Let's just say it, Glover Tashira showed up and showed out on Saturday. Twice he's taken the damage from Tiago Santos. Twice he's almost taken out of there quick. And, you know, once he survived, the second time he got the job done, chokes out Tiago. What was that in the third round? Um, you know what? All I can say is, wow, just very impressive, really just, um, I don't want to say durability. A lot of guys take a hits and keep coming. The tenacity on Glover, because a few of those times he felt like it's not this beautiful Habib-style takedown. It was just pure grit. He's taking damage, and he knows he's got to get Santos down to make it to the end of the round and stop the onslaught. And just that heart got the job done for him on Saturday night. I was very impressed. It was very fun. Yeah, man. And, you know, we both picked Santos. Even though we wondered how much like his old self would he actually be, even though that was the big question in the air, we still thought, you know, He's going to be old faithful, right? He's going to be the one that's going to come out like the hammer that we've always known. And Glover, for all his veteran Wiley and all that stuff, isn't going to be able to survive a Tiago Santos beating. Well, turns out we were wrong. We were wrong. Uh, he did land a lot of harsh shots, as you said. Glover himself admitted in the post-fight interview, Tiago punches like a hammer. Like, that's no doubt, no joke. Uh, but composure that that as you and, and tenacity I like that word a lot that that was the real hammer right I, I can't imagine anyone not being thrilled with watching Glover to share at 41 submit Tiago Santos you know someone who came a lot closer a heck of a lot closer to beating John Jones than Glover ever did um that was just a beautiful performance triumphant you know a la Michael Bisping and uh I just, I'm excited to see what the UFC does with Glover Teixeira next. Now, I'm with you there. Um, just, I'll, I'll say this. What was it? Um, I keep forgetting the rounds. Was it at the end of the second round or third round when uh, Tiago just, uh, he knocked him down? And I swear, I feel like Glover hit the canvas. And I was like, that's all he needed. That's it. It was like, <laughs> that was a good try, Glover, but that was a wrap. I yeah, really... Yeah. Twice in that fight, I thought, we've seen this story before from Tiago Santos, and um, wow. Uh, real quick, was it Glover's tenacity? Was it Tiago didn't have as much momentum behind the hammers after the year away and the injuries? What do you think it was? I'm going to give more credit to Glover, but, but, but you know, we can't ignore Santos. I think his, his physique, he looked a little less like himself, you know, little, not as... A little as, leaner. Yeah, a little leaner, not as swollen. His legs look look definitely look leaner, which, of course, would make sense coming off of the injuries he just came off of last year. I think it was Dominic Cruz who said it. You know, after injuries like that, you're just kind of always a little in your head about when you're being taken down. And it seemed like he didn't fight as hard as he could have, the takedowns of Glover. Uh, I think he probably was 
somewhere deep down afraid that he was going to re-injure himself if he really planted his feet and let his knees, you know, get torqued. So, you know, you could say 50-50, Santos not himself, Glover has that, you know, that tenacity. But um, I'm going to go like 70-30 in favor of Glover. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, was... Did he have all of the power that we're used to? You know, only he could speak to that. But if, it, you know, uh, even Santos seemed to exclaim he didn't do what uh, his coaches thought. And a part of that, you know, the ring rust, the type of injuries. I mean, I'll say this. You do that to a lot of guys. They do not look anywhere near as good as Tiago did on Saturday. So I've got to give full credit. But was he all the way the guy we expected? Maybe not, but I will say this, the way he looked, I also have full faith that now that the first fight camp and all that is out of the way, we will see that guy a little closer to it in his next outing. So I want to give full credit where it's due, considering what he'd been through. He did look very dangerous, but I'm with you there also. I give a lot more credit to Glover and his performance in the fight, which of course now raised the question, and everybody had opinions about it. Um, Glover Tashira should fight next for the light heavyweight title. He should be next for Jan Blahovich. But then we just obviously got hyped up about Israel Adesanya moving up and, you know, creating all this chaos. So, Natalie, uh, you know, I'll just take it, uh, I'll just pass it to you. What happens with the light heavyweight title? It's not okay. on Glover. Glover's fighting for it next regardless if he doesn't take someone in the interim. But obviously it's about at the end of the day, what do you think is ultimately going to happen with the belt that's currently worn by Jan Blahovich? Well, the, the money is with a fight against Israel Adesanya, but is he himself, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he uh, uh, on social media agree that the next shot should go to Glover? I'd have to double check. Did he okay. come out and say that bluntly? I could have sworn he did. I gotta go find the tweet. Go ahead, keep talking. I'll okay. So, any case, in any case, that that's my uh, my main argument for uh, why the UFC should oblige Glover to share. Time is of the essence here. He's forty-one. Has a great performance. Uh, the guy who was supposed to fight Jan, I think, unless I'm putting my foot in it, is uh, is even saying give it to Glover now, next. So uh, I hope the UFC comes through for him, but. As a promoter, as a business, who's going to make you the money? Of course, it's going to be Izzy moving up for a title shot with Jan. So unless Izzy really digs his heels in and says, no, nah, I don't want to take the fight until Glover does first, unless he does something like that, I suspect we're going to see, a, we're going to see that Jan-Adesanya uh, fight next for the belt. He hasn't tweeted in three days um, since Dude, the... Did I, I, so I did not good. just make that up. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, you know what? Yeah, I think you said it very clearly. Uh, to me, um, it really depends. The only way Glover gets a title shot, um, not on merit. On merit, he'd lock that, that sucker in when he locked in the rear naked choke, if you ask me. But logistically, if Adesanya... I, I think Jan Blahovich isn't going to be... Uh, you know, bullied around by Izzy and try to come back sooner. He said March. March, I think, is very reasonable considering the end of the year. I think that um, the only way it happens is if Izzy somehow were to put his foot down and be like, no, we got to fight February. There is no big main event that's been announced yet for February. We know the Connor thing and all that is January. Dana said that Stipe and Ganu 2 is probably going to go March. So that February slot, I understand Izzy wanting to take it. The champ versus champ fight is going to main event. They're not going to co-main to Stipe. And they're not going to co-main to Connor. That's just not going to happen. So unless they have a logistical issue there where truly they can't make something happen in March, um, Jan could do February. He could have the blessing of his wife and lovely family in Poland and he comes back a little bit sooner for the sake of this, but I don't know. I, that's the only way it happens is if somehow they can't meet on fighting March, April, however, or, and sorry, April, because if they have the heavyweights in March, I get it. So I think the only way this doesn't happen is if that really becomes a sticking point. Now, on the other hand, once again, Glover is the number one light heavyweight contender. 
stylistically. I think it creates for a fun fight with Jan. I think they're both a little similar. Heavy-handed. They're not about to throw a million punches. It's really about, you know, a little bit slower. But when they collide, they got heavy hands. Glover's obviously got fantastic grappling that he's showing off a lot more lately. You know Jan Blahovic has been working on his wrestling defense over the years so he could really showcase his striking. It'd be a fun fight. With Israel Adesanya, obviously you have the marketability of Izzy. It's no secret he's the biggest star out of the three of them. The um, So on that side, the ratings, it sells better. But also, I'll say it bluntly, I've heard this talked about, well, could you do Glover Jan and Izzy fights John Jones straight up or some kind of scenario? I will say it bluntly, the biggest leverage the only leverage that Izzy could get to make John come to him I think is is taking that 205 pound title I think that if Izzy doesn't hold it no amount of noise that he makes is gonna entice John to come back down because I'll say this if he goes up to heavyweight and let's say Nganu or Miosic gets him okay, uh, they're too big for me, you know, I thought this would be different and the way my body's built, etc., etc. If he loses to Izzy at 205, that's a wrap. Mm -hmm. So the only way this super fight happens is, if, you know, no title for John, or sorry, for John is if Izzy holds that title. For the reasons I believe we talked about last week, if that were to happen, then suddenly, no matter what's going on at heavyweight, it does look like, from the outside looking in, John doesn't want to fight Izzy. John is scared. Because we all know that Izzy's the guy who's going to sell that fight and get you invested in it. So I personally think that they're going to stick to Izzy Jan Blahovich because that's the only way you create Adesanya versus Jones potentially. Which isn't a lock-in. That's a big mountain for Adesanya to climb already. So, But yeah, the ball is in... Um, it's in Blahovich court. I think that, uh, you know, he's going to hold to his date and it's going to be everyone else falls in line after him. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's all well put. And, and I definitely agree with you on the John Jones part. He's not, he's not gonna agree to fight out of sign it just, just for a five round main event with no gold on the line. So, so it looks like the UFC, as far as that eventual meeting goes is looking you know a few steps ahead and trying to set up the pieces so that would be Jan Izzy and then presumably Izzy Jones or you know I mean that, that that's what makes the most sense unless some other spectacular person comes in to challenge Adesanya should he win the 205 belt before Jones gets to him but in any case that that looks like the uh, one of the more exciting paths for the 205 belt in the future. I'm also going to say this. The reason this has gotten so much steam, and I got to give credit to him, Adesanya has been the catalyst. He, Yes, it did take too long for them to finally get him and Costa in there. I think we all wanted it sooner. In any case, he handled business against the biggest uh, you know, contender that I think we were all expecting you know, in Paolo. He's the one saying he wants to jump in there again quickly. Think about it. Most champions, when they get to that point, you know, let, let's just say like it is. They kind of tend to become a once a year, maybe twice a year type of fighter, if that. You know, when you're talking about the star that is Adesanya and the way they like to schedule these things. The fact that he's taken the initiative during these times, I love it. And I will say this, it is that kind of attitude that's the reason why this is a reality. When John Jones said, hey, I'm here for the heavyweight title, Jones versus Stipe is a huge fight. Jones versus Ngannou is a huge fight. Neither of those fights are happening for a very long time. Think about it. Stipe, uh, I'll just say it, Stipe likes to take a little bit of a break. He's a big mm -hmm. guy that take a lot of damage at heavyweight. Regardless of what happens in the heavyweight title fight, even if it is a first-round knockout, I think that it's a while before John Jones hops in there to get it. I could say he may not fight him until maybe October, maybe November this time next year. So the idea that, hey, stick around one more, fight Jones, sorry, fight Adesanya potentially in July. I know he doesn't like to be, you know, the co-star in this script Adesanya is writing, 
But the fact is, possibly July, summer, more fans in attendance, that big new Las Vegas stadium that people are seeing in the NFL right now. I think that that's just a... Adesanya is doing the work to make that happen. He's not just, oh, I'm going to stay at 185. If it happens, it happens. He is being the proactive one to make it happen. And that's exciting to me. Yeah, man, this is a this has got a lot of um, potential to to make 2021 pretty darn pretty darn thrilling. So let's uh, let's keep our our eyes and ears open for the 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 news as it unfolds. It'll be so good, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Um, so, guys, obviously, yesterday there was the change up to the main event. We're gonna save all of that because I think that'll all just get grouped into the breakdown at the end of the show. So I think. You know, it, it's easier. Let's talk about the other fights and other stuff that, excuse me, that happened. So I think the biggest one, Amanda Nunes is out of the featherweight title fight with Megan Anderson on December 12th at UFC 256, I believe is the number of the event. And uh, yeah, Natalie, I'll say this. Normally, I'd be devastated because, you know, like, come on, it's a big fight. Uh, we all know I can argue that there may not be a better time for a fight to be there's no other champion who would benefit a bit from postponement than Amanda Nunes now that is the opposite for Megan Anderson but we'll get into that in a second but I looked at that and I was like well that really sucks uh there are undisclosed reasons so I don't know if it's an injury in camp COVID what have you but the fact is the fight is off um I almost feel like it helps because I think that if they were to, let's say, be a co-headliner in Abu Dhabi or something in February, something like that, I think that you still have the potential that the calendar will fall your way, that let's say she were to come back to fight, defend potentially the, the Bantamweight title next year, that gives plenty of time for them to book Holly, Jermaine, potentially maybe Aspen Ladd. And then you have your number one contender ready by the time you're ready to go back to 135. Megan Anderson hates that. Megan Anderson is trying to write her own script and, you know, cancel all those plans. But the fact is, Amanda Nunes has created a world where she can keep all the cards. The the house of cards is staying up, even though she's not fighting in December. Yeah, it's crazy. She's the only double champ to ever hold on to both, defend both you know, back and forth um, in the UFC, it makes sense why, because of how her divisions, like, I guess, the the meatiness of her divisions as compared to others, so they're just not as, um, like, chock full of killers. There definitely are some, but it's not, like, overflowing the way it is with, um, you know, the 135, 125. Let, let's and, make uh, it clear. They are meaty. She just ate that part of the sandwich already. Well, now she's on the bread. You know that right. little butt of bread at the end after yeah, you get through the meat. The bread butts. Yep. Exactly. That's where she's at. She already <laughs> ate the meat. That sounded wrong, but y'all know what I mean. Think about a sandwich. Nah, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful analogy. And um, okay, so so yeah, so um, so so that's that's a really cool thing. You know, another notch on her belt that she can hold on to to both and uh defend and not suffer when one bout you know about at one division falls falls out because as you've laid out there's plenty of options left for her other division and then megan anderson well she's got nothing else to do but wait unfortunately for her you know yeah to me uh, the real kick on this one is that now I'll just be honest, we're kind of waiting to see what happens. Megan Anderson is that last domino, you know, and she will either fall like the domino or she will stand, you know, triumphant like uh, Stonehenge in wherever they have it in Europe. (laughs) But the fact is, you know, like, no, in all honesty, if Megan Anderson were to lose, that's the it for the featherweights. I really, you know, now it's on Danielle Wolf potentially fighting Bantamweights that have moved up. I've looked at it. Do you know that the girl that uh, Megan Anderson knocked out before the one that she fought the same night as Felicia Spencer, Uh she didn't even stay at featherweight. That woman also moved down to Bantamweight. Uh 
Wow. And uh, look, we, we've kind of, I'm not going to go into the whole thing again, but the featherweights, they were kept only to fight then Chris Cyborg, now Amanda Nunes. The UFC is not adding women. They are out there. And, you know, look, the fact is, if Amanda Nunes says tomorrow, I'm done at 145, the UFC doesn't want to hold on to all these contracts and pay all these women and do all this logistical stuff. And once again, Megan Anderson's she's on the last fight. If she loses, you know, they could close up shop and everyone can go find whatever opportunity they want. Bellator will be very interested in Megan and Felicia Spencer and these girls, what have you. If Megan Anderson wins, now you create the dilemma. Does the UFC decide, you know what, we're going to double down, do the Nunes rematch? Or does Megan Anderson ride off into the sunset potentially with the UFC belt and, you know, never having lost it? That's a very real question. Yeah, and it's just, okay. And we don't get that resolution because now we got to wait. Well, yeah, we have to wait. But who was who did who did uh, Nunes fight last when she won, obviously? And then Dana White's like, "I'm going to build the division around her," and Spencer. she was saying, "I'm going to retire." It was Felicia Spencer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what happened to? She's not retiring. So, what happened to building the division around her? Like, where did that go? Have you ever heard of this animal they used to call the dodo bird? <laughs> <laughs> it went with him. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, I, I, I'll say this very simply. I think that, I think that when they've done these divisions, I think they thought that there would be more talent at the time for flyweights for the men, and I think that when it bottlenecked, that's when you talked about canceling it. I think, and, and I'll just say this: I do believe the UFC, particularly Dana, loves Amanda Nunes. Um. Uh, and you know we kind of saw that how it played out there was a lot of friction with cyborg and then amanda nunez kind of changed the narrative and look amanda nunez has showed up she's she had her setbacks she had that time she pulled out last minute against valentina and look she's rebounded to have one of the best ufc careers we've ever seen i don't think that another woman out there right now who's available as a free agent exists that they feel as invested in that, you know, when you talk about build a division, it's not just one girl, two girls. You have to have be willing to put all the money into all these contracts. But the fact is you want someone marketable. You want a featherweight champion that you feel you could sell pay-per-views around. And look, could you do that with Felicia and Megan Anderson? Absolutely. But are they as ready-made? Like, are they ready to pop out of the oven? Today, maybe not. Maybe the UFC feels like, well, we've got to do more work in that. They are now weighing their options like, hey, you know, is that worth it or is it worth it more? Let's talk about Wei Li Zhang moving up to fight Valentina. Maybe, short, you know, a bit long term, but end of next year, we're talking about Valentina Nunes 3 potentially. All of that, the UFC is saying, well, we have those contracts already on the book. That's a lot of women's MMA history right there that's potentially bigger than say you know signing a couple more featherweights that are gonna not be able to take on their champion because amanda nunez most likely moves back down i'll say this whoever like they could sign someone random tomorrow to the featherweight division it's not going to be as marketable a fight for nunez potentially to defend against her than it is to do holly holm or jermaine durandamy too yeah, it's uh, it's interesting and complicated in a weird way over there at 145, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, uh, once again, that it goes to me like if this is a good time for a holiday vacation for Nunes, Megan Anderson's pissed, rightfully mm-hmm. so, because you know, at the end of the day, it's like let me get to you know, let me get to my inevitable conclusion, whether it be right. the belt or no belt, a decision will be made next whereas postponing it literally does that to everybody just yeah, moves she's just everyone's timetable back trapped in limbo and you know that's it man there's no one else to fight literally she's got only one person in front of her 
It's the person she went to the UFC for, meaning just the belt holder, not necessarily Amanda Nunes, but that's it. Just wait. And and then, yeah, what's the UFC going to do with her? So sucks for her right now, but, um, I mean, she's tall. There's no way she can make 135, right? That, Never. That's not even uh, you know again. what? She talked, okay, and I'll say this. This was a little alarming because you remember earlier this year, if you saw the interview, Megan was actually saying, I'm talking to the UFC doctors to see if Bantamweight is possible. Why do you need to make Bantamweight? Could yeah. it be there are not featherweight fights they are offering? Why yeah, are there no, much. you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And look, I'll say this. I think it's a little flying under the radar. I believe this is big because I think Megan, I think Megan Anderson... She is playing the game very well. She is doing everything correctly. But I do believe, unspokenly, Megan Anderson is looking to get that UFC belt and potentially go to Bellator. Yeah. She is worth more money taking that gold. And if they're saying, that's it, that's it, let me go get paid somewhere else, I know they'll pay me if I have this belt. I will get a paycheck somewhere else, you know? I think she wants that. She obviously still will get that, but not as much, you know, you add a zero and some change when you have the gold, no matter where. So I think that that's what she wants. And I think she wants to get to that point already because she's, I'll say this, Spencer at least kind of got moved along a little bit quicker, but Megan has had to see, you know, the ultimate fighter season, featherweights that were you know, I'll put it in quotes, featherweights that nobody ever fought featherweight in UFC except for the finale. Yeah. Um, she's had to kind of see the Invicta champions win or girls fight and not get signed. So, you know, nobody's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like we know what the writing is on the wall, underlined with exclamation points. Uh, that's what I think she's planning. Personally. I, uh, I mean, that's that's the best move for her. So now it it sucks even more that she's stuck waiting. Poor Megan Anderson. I mean, I think the new Call of Duty came out. I know she's a fan of that. So, well, you know. yeah, like the Russian Ops one or something. Yeah. Yes. You know. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's, anyway, that that's gotten many a people through tough times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, your Twitch supporters come out for you. It's great. Um, We'll talk about more women's MMA in a second. Let's move on. It is time for our paid sponsorship brought to you by Hopes and Dreams. Remember, (laughs) if you don't have them, you will never find them. Anyway, moving on, we have a quite Mr. 2020. I'll say that Kevin Holland will be replacing Darren Till in just a couple weeks, just about a month. To face Jack Hermanson in the main event. And l- look, some history in the modern era. Kevin is looking to go for win number five, which has not been done since the days of Hoist Gracie in a calendar year. Um, he's taken on a top-ranked middleweight contender who, let's be honest, had he beaten Darren, he, we were most likely talking about why wouldn't he be next for Adesanya if Adesanya didn't have extracurriculars going on at light heavyweight. This is a big fight. I like it. I like the way Kevin Holland is. He's just having fun. He's doing his thing. He loves to fight. Um, Remember, this is a guy who had the fight fall out at the last minute. Literally, they started the show. They announced his fight. And then they go backstage to say that Trevin fainted and then uh, Kevin Holland didn't fight. This is a guy who went through all that. He's going to earn five victories. He didn't fight since May. His 2020 started five months in, and he's put the schedule. Good that's on unreal. him. Yeah. What do you got yeah, to that, say? <laughs> that, that's, that's crazy. That's impressive. It's, you know, one for the record books and, like, you know, props that, to him making the most of a, of a crazy year. 2020. But, but, but 2020 in the UFC has given a lot of people opportunities to just say, screw it, let's go. And we'll get, we'll get to another person who's saying the same thing uh, a little bit later on. But, um, you know, I like the way he fights. I like his style. And, I mean, there's nothing, there's no issues here with, for me with this fight. Seems like it's going to be exciting. Um, 
You mentioned, you know, title shot with Adesanya. I think it depends who wins and it depends what Adesanya does, right? Because there seems like there could be some other things in play here. I'm sure you have some, some ideas on that. Well, you know, I'd like to earn my paycheck on here anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, you know what? So with that, the the way I see it with the middleweight division, if Adesanya wins, I'll just put it bluntly, he's not going anywhere besides John Jones. Until John Jones uh, makes a decision to fight a heavyweight instead of uh, Adesanya, Adesanya is not going to entertain any other fights. Plain and simple. Until it's in paper, until they've had the poster made, that cool little UFC or ESPN MMA graphic of John Jones versus somebody at heavyweight, Adesanya's not going back down. If he were to lose to Jan Blahovic, then I could see a situation where, you know what, let's talk about this. Is the biggest fight for him Robert Whitaker, or is he feeling that way, that sort of way about it that, hey, I would, you know what, Rob is great, but I already did that one-sided relatively recently. I want another guy, give me Jack. Or, you know, Kevin Holland was trying to do his thing. Give me Kevin Holland. That creates a situation. If Adesanya were to win the title, I do see a scenario where they talk about Whitaker versus the winner of Hermanson and Holland interim title. Because then that moves everybody along. We get fights. If you're Whitaker, you're fighting somebody who you probably would have had to anyway if you're champion. If you're Hermanson and Holland, same difference. You're going to have to fight Whitaker if you were to win and get past Adesanya. It gets everybody in the game at a good time, on good schedule, if you ask me. So, yeah, in terms of what's next for the title, that's how I see it. Yeah, that, that interim idea works beautifully. It gives Whitaker, you know, puts him back at the at the top. And as as you said, he's going to end up fighting people he would have anyway had he stayed champion. Um, so that works out just fine. That's what we like to see, like interim titles used appropriately. Now, here's my question before I go put my foot in my mouth again, making stuff up that Adesanya said. Is he like just abandoning? Like, what has he said about 185? Is he? He said he's keeping both straps. Okay. okay. I, th- I think that here's the thing. He sees it as uh, there's not a better time for him to move up. Whitaker's the top contender. He really handled business with Whitaker. Mm-hmm. De- one, Darren Till is out, so that even takes the intrigue off of that. And then Jack Hermanson, uh, I'll be honest, I almost get the feeling that Adesanya would still take a Whitaker rematch because it would be a bigger fight, make more money, than he would over taking... Jack Hermanson, or Darren Till for that matter. I think that really the only reason he takes a Jack or a Darren and now Kevin is the competitive thing. Fight somebody new, fight another guy that he hasn't fought yet. But, you know, once again, he knows his business. He knows that now is the time. There's no question who's the best 185-er. I've set, I've lined up all the ducks in a row. Now is the time to make the Jones fight happen. And look, if he loses, it's it, look, he can always go back down. He's already said he's not going to put on weight. He's just going to, you know, kind of optimize himself for 205, but he's not about to lift a l- bunch of weights and eat a cow, you know what I mean? I mean, that sort of seems smart because we see what can happen when you try to bulk up too much for the next weight class above you and you're not really used to fighting in that new body. But... You know, adding muscle helps absorb punches. So interesting. Well, it'd be very interesting to see how that how that works out for him. I think uh, he knows he's not in it. I don't. I don't think he's interested in fighting at two hundred five against anyone besides Jones. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, like I, I wouldn't be like, you, dude. I mean, you, you got it made at one eighty five. Sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was gonna say besides Jan, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. kind of necessary evil, no. Right, 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 right. Oh, and mind, after the fact, after she gets the belt, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what, how I see it. And mind you, who wants to be in front of the legendary Polish power too much anyway? No. I nobody. love that dude's game. <laughs> he sounds, you know what, when, before Santa Claus was holly and, you know, happy and jolly, 
he was Jan Blahovich. You know what I mean? <laughs> that deep voice, the beard, the muscles. That's what I think. Take your gifts. <laughs> Go. You know, before he took over the sleigh, he was Jan Blahovich. That's what I think. He's just so nice and wholesome, but man, he's scary. Anyway, he's scary. Yeah. So that sets up that. Um, once again, that's another one. We'll get the answers sooner rather than later as soon as they start um moving things along i will say this that once again if they book it in february that makes all the sense in the world because if you're out of sonya and you win okay the july timetable works april uh, that suddenly starts to feel a little too close you know what i mean yeah and he's not going to co-main to the other guys they've already locked in so we shall see all right. Uh, the last news hit we have before we move on, um, some very interesting developments for the PFL and Invicta. Kayla Harrison is going to be allowed a one-fight exemption. She will be fighting in exactly 11 days on November 20th against Courtney King in a featherweight fight for Invicta FC. PFL and Kayla have already said, yes, I will be coming back to 155 PFL in Season 3. But, you know, this is a nice one-off. It seems like all the paperwork cleared. Everyone's approved it. From what I've read, the PFL, you know, or not PFL, but some of the options that seem to have opened up for a few fighters negotiating, you can do a one-off anywhere that's not UFC or Bellator. Oh, Okay. Yes, you know, yeah, that I saw that one and I'm like, I think that that should not surprise people who, mind you, wouldn't sign people to one-offs anyway, if we're being honest. UFC certainly wouldn't and Bellator, unless you were going to do a consistent um, cross-promotion, co-promotion, I always mix them up. Um, it just, yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense for either side, so... Yeah, this is very good news. We all know how adamant Kayla was about competing this year. And I think that, um, you know, she teased some stuff for a while, and I think this is it. So, yeah, I think that they just waited for Monday morning, and, you know, now people don't have to wait too long. They could get hyped about it. What were your thoughts? My first thought was good for Kayla Harrison. Then I said, what, you know, to myself, what took so long? We'd been talking about this a few episodes back that you know why didn't the pfl get something going like they're so beholden to their own season system that they were unwilling to just do one-off fights even though within the season they do do that and they did that with kayla harrison when she first started um you 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 know astutely mentioned it was probably a financial thing but then then i wish they had worked out a deal like this for her much sooner um my other question, my other thought was, oh, I wonder if she tried to get a 145 bout at the UFC or Bellator, but you already answered that for me, so <laughs> she wouldn't have been allowed to. Okay. Um, so I'm thinking, I hope she, I hope she does well with the weight cut. And, um, you know, has she ever competed at 145 in judo or, or MMA? I, I don't think so, but I don't know. Maybe, I mean, when she was coming up as a younger person in judo, maybe. Um, but going back to, to what took so long, I, I just think that if the PFL valued her, they would have helped her find a fight sooner. I know that sounds counterintuitive because they're the promoter and that she's their fighter, but she's too special. She's too valuable of an asset, I think, to let her name fade during one year, especially when she's just starting her career. Kind of letting her her hype fizzle out a little bit. So glad she's got something going, but but should have been sooner, sooner than, than November. Yeah, I think that to me, um, this obviously creates a very big thing because we know that Kayla's with um, Dominance MMA and Ali and all them. Uh, you know, th there's a lot of negotiating power with that management group. That mm -hmm. That's clear. Not everybody has quite all those resources. So you do have some fighters who quite bluntly, it's like, well, you know, could you do that for me? And it's like, yeah, we, we are not going to be able to do that for you. And that's a struggle, and that's tough, and, you know, uh, let's be honest, not everybody, you know, probably has that good grace. Remember, Kayla has been, you know, like the pageant Miss PFL since before the first fight card of season one. Rightfully so, you know, they kind of drafted her, they found her, 
she's homegrown as it gets for that promotion. And, you know, look, they've built up a great relationship. Not every fighter, I think, that, you know, can exactly say that and go to the negotiating table and things move along with the same amount of urgency. I do uh, acknowledge that right away, too. So this creates quite a situation. But, um, look, I know Lance Palm- Palmer is still out there. He wants to fight. Uh, you definitely have Brendan Lofnan. Uh, he's campaigning, I feel like, every day for a fight on Twitter. It is uh, uncomfortable to watch. And once again, yes, you're happy for Kayla Harrison. I'm excited to see her compete. I think that she's one of the top prospects in the game overall, all the promotions right now. But yeah, it does make me a little comfortable that you got some guys who are like, yeah, well, must be nice. And that's also tough to say. Yeah, that's true, but that's that's MMA, man. Some folks get get more glory than others. That Conor McGregor with yep, all that whiskey like money. Let me, let me cry my single gangster tear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but no, um, look, uh, 11 days, we'll be recapping that, obviously, if anything happens. Um, how is she? Oh, I'll say this, quick note. If she wins at 145, I want to say she said her contract was through... At least what would be season three, possibly season four. I don't know if it's like a free agent restricted, you know, like she can choose to stay one more year or she could go free agent after year three. I can't remember. But if she looks good at 145, everyone's going to ask her how did she feel after the cut. I can see the floodgates opening after season three PFL. You know that the Chris Cyborg Bellator talk's gonna be there. Oh yeah. You know, there's you know, similar to UFC one forty five, it's hard to say, oh, you're gonna have girls one fifty five. It's just, you know, it's hard to recruit, you know, in the promotion. Uh so I do think that that's gonna be a real thing. If she looks great at one forty five, everyone's gonna be like, Hey, Kayla, just you know, keep whatever you did. Keep yourself right there. Don't put on, you know, like athletically. The, you know, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. the cookie wise, but Just because one forty, because one, because yeah. one forty five, we got some big plans for you. At second, the you know the gates potentially open. So yeah, I think that's a real thing that we may see. Yeah, and it sucks that because we were doing all this newness talk earlier. I wanted to mention it, but I knew that we had this that we had Kayla coming up, so I don't want to spoil it. But you know. That would be kind of cool if that could ever happen, but I think the timing probably will never work out. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I say that because I think Nunez is is you know not long for MMA. I think you know another year and she'll probably be like, eh, I'm good. And at that point is when Harrison will be available. I don't think Chris Cyborg is going anywhere anytime soon, so that seems way more likely than, than Nunez. So I'm gonna say this. If you had told me that I would not be going to Brooklyn to see Habib versus Tony, but instead I'd be going to a private island in the Middle East that's been booked by the UFC just for fights, I would tell you, like, yeah, that, that'll that happen for sure. <laughs> My point is, crazier things have happened. Much crazier things have happened than Kayla Harrison potentially fighting Amanda Nunes at 145 in the UFC. Yeah. I just think true. it's more likely she goes to Bellator. If, yeah. you know, if that's where they, if that's what they decide and she could get a deal done over there. But in any case, I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah. Um, that brings us, I want to say we got it. We covered it. I think that that's it. I think that's all. Well, the, the last piece of the damage it's just been carnage in terms of scheduling the last few days. You know, we have a lot of, you know, fight switches, event switches. So it's been a Monday where we've got to talk about a lot of high stakes events losing. You know, they're just getting canceled. The fights anyway. Yeah. And we almost had that. I got worried. I thought, you know what? Daniel Rodriguez, welterweight for RDA. Nobody cuts. Well, Daniel Rodriguez, he was going to make 170. RDA just doesn't cut weight. Uh, you know, the Michael Chandler thing. RDA <laughs> shot his shot. That was never going to make it. Um, and then Paul Felder. The wise Irish dragon. The guy who stepped up at the last minute. 
left the desk, went to corner his buddy, came back to the desk to finish commentating, and now he's stepping in on six days' notice, said he's going to make the weight, fight five rounds this Saturday, saves the event. My man, they don't give, uh, you know, fighter of the year trophies for that, but they do need to come up with something. That is a company man, if you ask me. Yeah, like they should give a like a fight saver of the year award. And uh, this guy's definitely in the mix. And um, remember he said he may be done. He's going to retire if it's not a guy like Dustin or Tony or Habib. You know, so he broke the he broke his own rule. They must have made it worth his while, right? Or he just thought, "Eh, like I was saying at the top of the show, like the the screw it attitude." And sometimes, you know, it's kind of fun to just just do that. And um, I don't know which of it is, which of those it is. Did he get a lot of money and he just said, screw it, or maybe a little bit of both? But what what an exciting turn of events, you know? I did you did you ever watch the UFC declassified that was on? I loved it. Yeah. Seeing his journey to get to Abu Dhabi was unreal, dude. Like the the COVID test, the positive test, he had to do extra quarantine in Vegas. The way he was going out of his way to spend time with Jared Gordon to help him train, the only person there with him, you know, and he he had his own work to do. He was going to be there to comment to do commentary, like he had you know his own pressure, and he was such a nice guy that he was willing to to take all that extra time and help this guy out, help his partner out and his training partner. Then he gets stuck in Vegas. He finally makes it, and he still has to separate. You know, that's got to be really hard because he's he's a fighter first, right? And so he's still new-ish to the commentary game you know he's been doing it a lot he has a lot of reps but to have to stop that brain and go into the co- the coaching brain and like as soon as he walks into the into the locker area and he's like you know jared you got this you got this like he's immediately motivating him it was really cool to see um so so that's just the kind of guy he is man he's just there for he's just there in a pinch whenever somebody needs him and he's doing it again now and I mean, it's a heck of a fight to say yes to on five, six days notice, right? Because we haven't seen RDA at 155 in three years or something yep, like that. I think since 16. So this is very interesting, man. I, I'm excited. How are you How are you feeling about the actual fight? I'm feeling good. Um, you know what I think about, you know, I, I've heard, I want to say, he may have done a scrum. I know I've seen him when I've been around Contender Series talk about it, uh, that triathlon work he's doing. Um yeah, he's just very, like, look, clearly it's working off if you feel you're good for five rounds MMA. It's one thing to run a lot, but it's another thing to throw down and with elbows and knees and everything that the guys could do. Um, so I think that speaks to a, his gamesmanship. He is ready to go. Um, I am a little disappointed because I think that right about now, uh, you know, Islam Makachev, you know, it's like, now is the time to show you're the heir apparent. It's still pretty recent after Habib, and Habib's essentially saying he's kind of the next man up. So in that way, that gets delayed. But I think at the end of the day, if you're tuning in to get some entertainment on a Saturday, you have a stylistically fun fight. The way RDA brings it and fights, the way Paul Felder fights. And you know, you know, look, even if he, if he feels like, you know, right now it's Monday, if Friday, you know, afternoon he's saying, man, maybe I don't feel like i got a five-round gas tank, that just means he's going to go for broke early, and that makes for great TV. So yeah, either way you, you cut it, it's going to be a good slice of pie. Definitely, man. This is a, a win-win for fans, and uh, I mean, that's it, 2020. What mm-hmm. else can you say? <laughs> Let, let's talk a little bit real quick, X's and O's. I think... Um, RDA more conventional you know he keeps those he keeps that guard tight he kind of you know goes back to the chamber each time resets very well I think that Felder is a little more fluid in his movement I think that he does kind of bite down and get after it but kind of saw it like in the Dan Hooker fight you know he can stick and move if he needs it he can you know he's versatile also he does have the kicks in his arsenal I could see RDA grappling. I don't know if Paul Felder is going to be trying to take him down. I do think that that's a very interesting note. Obviously, RDA has way more time to prepare. I give Paul Felder credit. If he comes at you in those first five minutes, he is 
as big of a threat as anybody else in the first five at 155 pounds. Uh, you know, it's hard to pick against the, the Rocky Balboa scenario, though, for Felder. I think that he's, in the, name, in the words of Michael Chandler, he's there for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> so, uh, uh, RDA for the win. I, I think that he kind of gets, a, he does some damage, and then he maybe follows him, chokes him out, second round. Wow, RDA is going to choke out Paul Felder in the second round? Like tap out, not he's going to be... Yeah, 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 of course. Felder, yeah. Felder will stay awake, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, damn, you know what? I'm just going to go pie in the sky. I'm going to go like Paul Felder, screw it. I'm going to pick Mr. Felder. Um, yeah, he's got to avoid the, the, the wrestling game because that's just going to burn his gas tank. Um, you know, I'm just going to assume it's not as good as it would be if he had a full training camp. So, so I think he should want to preserve that. And, uh, Ooh, you know what? I'm just going to off the, off the fly here. Uh, I'm going to go second round, just like you, but I'm going to go uh, TKO, probably some kind of spinning, uh, spinning maneuver into Mr. RDA. I, I just don't, he's older. He's three years older. You know, we know why he left 155. It was too hard for him to make the weight. So what's changed? I have no idea, and I don't think he's going to be, um, like, he's not going to have enough of a chin to be able to take on someone like Felder who's looking to finish early because, you know, it's short it's short notice. So I think Felder TKO round two. Oh, boy, just connects right on the chin. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right in the tornado. Yep. All right, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. So we are split this Saturday's main event. Uh, I've got RDA. Uh, Natalie's got Paul Felder. We'll get bragging rights on Monday, Sunday, whenever we do our next show. And Natalie, that's it. Next week, we will finally be back at the pay-per-view mark of the month. It is going to be the fight of the flying flyweights, something like that. <laughs> um, both flyweight titles on the line. We got Figueredo taking on Alex Perez, and we got your favorite Valentina Shevchenko taking on Jennifer Maya. What are your initial thoughts before we get into all that goodness tomorrow? Yeah, or next Figueredo's week, a killer. Shevchenko's a killer. So, so we got some uh, some good fights coming up for sure. Uh, I will say, like, I think that there's the Rocky Balboa mentality for both Perez and Maya. I think mm-hmm. that that's, that makes it very fun. Obviously, you're going to see two of the top talents, I think, in their respective weight classes. Valentina's obviously, like you said, number one. Figueredo, he's really come into... He's kind of like finally matured and he's popped. He isn't simmering, he's officially popped. So yeah. you're going to have uh, Perez and Maya like, look, you know, there's one of two ways this goes. Epic upset or you kind of become, you know, part of their script you know and so i do think that maya and perez i think there's going to be a put me in coach mentality next week so i like that all right anyway we'll break all that down we'll talk about the results we'll talk about the news next week until then take care have a good one